Hi everyone, I'm Sky Ross and this is Motherness, a podcast dedicated to sharing mindful and empowering interviews with mothers and experts. Together, we're shining a light on the realness of raising babies and life postpartum, from the first moments to the months following and the years beyond. Motherness serves to hold space for mothers in all their glory, to inform you, to include you, to empower you and to connect you. And despite our different experiences, opinions and approaches, as mothers who love, we are grounded in this together. In today's episode, I speak with a beautiful mum of one, Anna Miles. Going into this interview, I had no idea that Anna had anxiety. She's the sort of mum who makes it look beautiful and effortless, which by the way isn't a bad thing. She radiates positivity and she's love for it. But I am truly grateful for how she opens up in this episode about the toll her anxiety took on her entry to motherhood, and I know those of you who do or have struggled with mental health will appreciate it too. Today we talk about her decision to co-sleep with her son from an early age, the impact of this in having a newborn on her marriage, how she met the criticism of others, and how she overcame the shame she felt for bed sharing. We discuss Anna's breastfeeding journey, the pressure she put on herself to breastfeed, how she improved her low supply, and her gentle parenting philosophy. Anna has a blog, and I read every single post. Her writing is as poignant and relatable as our conversation today, and I hope you love it as much as I do. Hi Anna, thanks so much for joining me on Motherness today. Do you want to just start by introducing yourself? Tell us a little bit about who you are, where you live, and who you are a mother to. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me. It's so exciting. Um, my name's Anna and I live in Freeman's Bay in Auckland with my two-year-old son, Brooklyn. He turned two last week and my husband, Hayden. Oh, and we've got two little bunnies, um, <laughs> Princess and Poppy. They're a main feature of the family. So yeah, just the three of us in the buns. Cute. And you're a Pilates teacher and you also run a blog, right? Yes. No, I just started teaching Reformer Pilates um, part-time, which is super exciting. And I just started a blog a few months ago. So both things have been really lovely just to yeah, do a little something for me as well as being a stay-at-home mum. Awesome. Um, so let's start by talking about your birth as a bit of context to your fourth trimester. Do you want to just run us through how your birth experience was with Brooklyn? Yeah, so gosh, birth feels like such a long time ago, actually. Um, uh, It was pretty straightforward, my actual birth. Um, A little bit of a rush, to be honest. I probably went into labour early on the day, but typical me, I was like in full denial. Hayden in the morning said, do you want me to stay at home? Because I had told him I wasn't feeling so good. And I said, no, don't be silly, go to work. And I Still went for my walk by the water every day like I usually do and carried on with my day and probably started getting contractions at two in the afternoon. But I was adamant on getting a manicure and a pedicure. I booked three. So I carried on with that. Um, <laughs> walked up to Ponce Row, got a manicure and pedicure. And um, yeah, I think <laughs> I think about halfway through, I realized my contractions were about four minutes apart. Um, so they quickly finished my nails. Um, and <laughs> yeah, I actually had both the, the both people working on me saying, oh my goodness, please go, please go. But I really did want to have nice nails <laughs> for my birth. So I finished up there and um, yeah, my mother-in-law actually came to meet me and she was like, oh my goodness, we've got to like go to the hospital. And we called Hayden, who was still at work. Um, and we went to go get him, which was a very silly idea. He said, I booked an Uber and it started to rain. So we said, no, 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 we'll just come get you on the way to the hospital. And sure enough, we got stuck in like the worst traffic, traffic ever. So much so that he, yeah, he had to like push, like get out of the car and ask cars to pull over the side of the road so we can get through. Um, very dramatic, but we made it um, home. I decided I wanted to go home after all of that. I wanted to go home and have a shower and fluff around. So our midwife met us at home and she gave me a, a quick exam and very kindly told me to get in the car and go to the hospital where she would meet me. Um, so yeah, at about 
seven, no, probably 6.30, we got to the hospital and our obstetrician met us there. And I was actually only about three and a half, four centimetres dilated. So she said, right, that's all good. You stay here. I'm going to go off and come back in three hours. But within about 45 minutes, I'd gone from, yeah, three or four centimetres to fully dilated. So it was super quick. And, yeah, I was at the hospital about 7.30, quarter to eight, and I had there at 9.30. So it happened really quickly. And, um, yeah, it was, it was really good. I have to say, despite it being a bit, you know, frantic and a bit fast and I think Hayden was a bit worried at times but I couldn't have probably had a better birth so I was really really lucky. Yeah amazing and so what were those first moments like um was he placed on your chest straight away and you had skin to skin? Yeah that when as soon as he came out they put him straight on my chest I was obviously wasn't obviously I was very adamant about that and I think I was just in awe I had sort of pictured this moment probably half my life um but I wasn't crying or anything like that. I just think I was just like, oh, my goodness. You're just in shock a little bit. So, yeah, they put him on my chest. And I remember the midwife saying to me a few, I mean, maybe five, ten minutes afterwards, that would you like to try and breastfeed? And I said, of course. And I just could not believe this tiny little baby knew what to do. Like, he just latched on so easily. And yeah, my my mum was in the room, which was actually really lovely. So it was my mum, my husband, and our obstetrician and our midwife. And mum took some photos, unbeknown to me, because I was sort of just, in the, you know, completely absorbed in the moment. But I, the look on our faces, we were just both in disbelief that we had, you know, had this baby and that he actually was breastfeeding and yeah, knew what to do. So it was really lovely those first few moments. Yeah, amazing. And did you guys do delayed cord clamping as well? I actually don't know. <laughs> Someone it's else like, asked me. It's hard today. to remember. <laughs> I don't remember. I probably could have gone through my notes and had a wee look, but my husband did cut the cord, and I don't think it was straight away. Like, I do remember, you know, he was, yeah, Brooklyn was on my chest for quite, quite some time before he did cut the cord. So couldn't be exact, though. Yeah. Mine's the same experience. I'm like, I know <laughs> she said that we did delay cord clamping, but I don't know the timeline. The <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, did you guys decide to go to birth care following that? Yeah, I was actually really not wanting to go, wanting to go to birth care, only because I'm not sure. Rather, than, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not crazy about hospitals. I get quite anxious, and you know, I knew I wanted to give birth in hospital, but few days before um, I did give birth, my husband really convinced me, look, we can only stay one night if you want to. Let's just let's just definitely do it. So we did go to birth care. Um, and it was a little tricky in hindsight just because B was born at about yeah, 9.30 and it was freezing cold, winter night, and we were sort of just like, um, I guess because I had such a straightforward, easy birth, they did, um, you know, kick us out of the hospital room two, two and a half hours later. So it was essentially midnight and we were driving to birth care and I was sort of shaking from the shock of, you know, a fast delivery. And yeah, it was just, it was great to go to birth care, but it was very overwhelming going there in the middle of the night when it was freezing cold, pouring with rain. And yeah, we just had this crazy fast birth. Um, but obviously the irony is as soon as I was there, I didn't want to leave. <laughs> then I was anxious about going home. Um, so yeah, we, we arrived in birth care just after midnight and we did stay three nights and yeah, then my husband was like, right, it's time to go. <laughs> so yeah, I remember arriving there and we did have such an amazing, amazing care. So many different midwives while we were there, but the first, first midnight midwife that was on that evening, she was a little bit hostile and did make me feel a little bit on edge. I think I had asked her when we were settling in, oh, could you come and check on us when we're, when we're doing our next feed? I'm just a bit worried about it. And she said something along the lines of, didn't you learn that in antenatal class? And I think Hayden and I looked at each other just like, oh, my goodness. Um, but we actually didn't see that nurse any other day, and everyone else was so wonderful. So, yeah, it was three nights there, and, yeah, it was really, really lovely transition before we moved home. Yeah, awesome. And how were you feeling physically after your birth? Did you have any tearing or anything like that? I did have a few internal stitches, but um, to be honest, I was just so proud. Like I just was on cloud nine. I could not believe I had given birth to this like beautiful, healthy boy. And uh, yeah, I was just in awe. So yes, I was a little bit sore down there and 
yeah, I just couldn't complain though because I was just really, yeah, thought we were so clever. I remember my mother saying to me, oh my gosh, you know, you have a baby and you forget about all these women that have had babies before you. You just think you're just the most clever person in the whole world. And we, we both really did feel that way. So it was really lovely. Yeah. Oh, amazing. And so how are you feeling emotionally? It sounds like it was a really positive entry into motherhood for you. Yeah, it definitely was, but I'm quite naturally an anxious person. So I have to say that that just escalated probably as soon as we had left the hospital and arrived at birth care. And my husband, you know, fair enough, like he had a busy day at work. And then I gave birth super quickly. It was very intense. Um, you know, giving birth so quickly. So he just crashed. We got to birth care, you know, we we got Brooklyn settled in his cot and he was just up to it. And I honestly didn't sleep at all. You know, that was probably twelve thirty one in the morning and I stayed awake till I think 7 a.m. when I felt like it was an okay time to wake him because I was just so worried. I was just, yeah, probably just really overwhelmed and I just wanted to watch him breathe and all these other silly things. So... Physically, I felt really good, but I was I was definitely anxious, and yeah, I I, I stayed up that first night, the whole night until seven a.m. when I woke Hayden. So yeah, yeah, I remember Albie being like the noisiest, snuffliest, yeah. like mucusy little baby, and any time she made a noise, I just leapt out of bed and like to check on her. Was that anxiety anything that kind of continued for you throughout the next like weeks and months, or did it kind of subside? I definitely continued um, <laughs> two years on and I'm still anxious and particularly sleep always, yeah, is a, is a tricky one for our family. But yeah, those first few weeks and few first few months, I think you're just so desperate to do the right thing, you know, to, I don't know. I, again, it's probably a bit my personality, but I just wanted everything to be perfect and I didn't want to let anyone down. And yeah, I was really, really anxious. I, I feel really lucky that I didn't have baby blues. I didn't feel down or anything like that, but I was just really on edge. And um, yeah, I just wanted to do everything right, which as every mother knows is actually impossible because it doesn't matter how much you read, how much you, you know, plan that your little baby will do what they're going to do and and your anxiety doesn't actually help anything I definitely feel like the more anxious I was like Brooklyn even at you know a few weeks old could probably pick up on that so so yeah my anxiety definitely hung around for a long time um so that was my yeah that was my biggest struggle um yeah those first few weeks first few months for sure and was breastfeeding another thing that you really wanted to do and was that kind of I guess part of those expectations of something that you wanted to achieve with motherhood as well and how did that kind of unfold yeah absolutely I I remember like Brooklyn latching on at birth care the next day day one or day two anyway and it being so incredibly painful and just having tears streaming down my face and thinking oh my goodness like is this what it's going to be like every single day and of course you know you read all this stuff and I had set in my mind I was gonna you know breastfeed for this amount of time and I was gonna do this and do that but that really did give me a bit of a fright those first few days and I just felt like oh my gosh this is so painful um, and it was hard. Breastfeeding is really hard and I loved it so much. So it's an interesting one. You can feel two feelings for at the same time. I guess that's often the case with a lot of things in motherhood, but it's really hard. And, um, there were particularly a few moments at maybe around the three month point and my milk supply dropped and I was just so adamant and quite pedantic about continuing to breastfeed. You know, I would, I was setting my alarm every three hours. So I would pump every three hours, you know, just to try and keep my supply out, which doesn't, you know, sound like a lot if you haven't pumped before, but expressing every three hours and then sterilizing and then feeding your own baby. And I was doing that at, you know, two in the morning, five in the morning. I was, yeah, I was a bit crazy about breastfeeding and making it work, but we did get into a rhythm and, um, yeah, we did make it work and I breastfed for 15 months, which I was really proud of. Um, I think after his first birthday, I tried to give him formula for the first time and I'd sort of built it up my head. And then of course he didn't take the formula. So that was a whole other hurdle. Um, but yeah, we breastfed for 15 months. I 
would do it again in a heartbeat, but it, it was challenging and yeah, we just, we just persevered and we made it work. Yeah. Yeah. And were there any other things other than the pumping that you did to kind of um, help with your supply? Um, other than expressing, gosh, I have to say, and I don't know if it helped or not, but like I was drinking so much water. I remember being just so incredibly sleep deprived and just so tired and running on such low energy. I was just drinking three, four liters a day. I was always thirsty and the more water I drank, the more hydrated I felt, the better I felt. And again, I'm not sure if it really, really worked, but me having a lot of, you know, like avocado, almond butter, like all those sort of high fat, high calorie foods definitely, in my opinion, you know, help with my milk supply. And yeah, I think just eating well, drinking a lot of water and it's hard to say getting rest because no one ever gets rest in those first few weeks or first months, but yeah, trying to rest or at least trying to like settle your anxiety. I definitely felt when I was in a good headspace that the breastfeeding felt easier for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I can totally associate with that. I mean, one like earlier um, this year, my supply actually dropped and I remember that the more I stressed about it, mm-hmm. the harder it was for me to let down and feed her. And it just kind of manifests, doesn't it? For sure. I think it's all connected. I mean, yeah, anxiety feels everything you know whether it's breastfeeding sleep deprivation you know all sorts of of difficulties in motherhood as hard as it is to to relax and try and be present and be calm I truly think that it does make a big difference yeah absolutely um so let's talk about sleep because I know that you have had a very varied journey with sleep um and I guess in terms of the advice that we're given as new mums in terms of what we should do versus what our baby wants is often completely different. So I'd love to know how you were thinking about sleep going into the fourth trimester and then what those first couple of days were like with Brooklyn and his sleep. Sleep is honestly the the million dollar question um, when it comes to our little family. But yeah, going into it, type A personality, I'd done so much research. I'd written down all these schedules and what I was going to do. And I was just so naive about it. I truly thought that our little angel would sleep in the Moses basket next to me. And when it was, I don't know, three or four months, he would transition to his cot and that would be how it was. But the three or four months were up and Brooklyn's always been a really tall baby, so it was probably shorter than that, I'm not sure. But I remember his toes touching the end of the basket and my husband was like, tonight is the night. Like, he cannot be one more night in that basket. Um, So, yeah, so we put him into his cot um, in his own bedroom and we were sort of coping for a while. Like I was still breastfeeding on demand, so probably every three hours in the night I would get up, feed him in the, the chair in his bedroom, and then try and transition him into his cot, resettle him. He was always sleep, falling asleep on me, so that was, you know, it was okay while it worked. Um, but, yeah, one night I think I was just so tired. I brought him into bed with us, which I know a lot of people don't agree with, and definitely Plunkett told me that was a big no-no, um, co-sleeping with your baby. Um, and initially we had a snuggle me, which is, I guess, like a little sleep barrier for babies. Um, so that night I put him in the snuggle me in between us, and I'm an incredibly light sleeper anyway, so I definitely didn't feel, you know, there was any risk at, at that point or ever actually. But, yeah, I just remember that night I slept so well. I could hear my baby breathing. I could nurse him without getting up and walking around and it was just really lovely. I felt so refreshed and I felt relieved the next morning. But of course I did it one night and then two nights and then it was weeks and months and then eventually our little baby was just getting bigger and bigger and my husband was just like, I cannot sleep in the bed with both of you. We either have to sleep train him and do it do it really, you know, really tough really as at this stage he was you know I don't know five six plus months um or we have to sleep in separate beds and maybe it's mean that I just chose sleeping with our baby and so Brooklyn and I slept in the same bed for about a year and my husband slept in our bed so yeah we were we were down down the hallway in the guest room and he was in our bed and yeah we co-slept for a year and 
I know a lot of people, yeah, disagree and find it really, and you know, think it is really unsafe. And we did have a sleep consultant at one point. We, I went to Plunkett several times, but it just didn't feel right. Sleep training the way the the yeah the advice I was given just didn't it didn't feel right for me, and it was causing me so much anxiety um yeah we did we did try a few you know a few nights we were doing a little bit of sleep training but I was so worked up it just it just wasn't worth it for us so we slept we yeah we co-slept for a year and it was lovely it was really hard because Brooklyn was having a great sleep with mummy and I was sort of up all night whether it was nursing or being kicked in the leg or whatever but that's what we did (laughs) yeah and how have you kind of met that criticism and I guess those people that disagree with you whether it's Plunkett or whether it's maybe family and friends how have you approached that yeah on a personal level and kind of overcome that criticism to be honest at the beginning I was like a little bit embarrassed and almost ashamed because I was different from my mum group. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, I have this wonderful group of mum friends, there's eight of us, and none of them have co-slept. And, yeah, they seem to have really, not all the time, but their babies do sleep really well and in a lovely routine. And, um, yeah, I was I was embarrassed, and I just thought, oh, my gosh, like am I totally doing this all wrong? And there were the odd comments from... I don't know, family friends saying, oh my God, your baby doesn't sleep for the night. Like, what do you mean he sleeps in your bed? What if he sleeps in your bed until he's 10 years old? All of these sort of little comments. And I know that they're really like, you know, harmless and they're not, they're not, no one, no one intends to upset you, but it, it was just really hard to feel like I was doing the right thing for us when you're constantly second guessing yourself and then you would sort of hit a wall with sleep deprivation that you're like oh my goodness like can I keep doing this um you know can I keep can I keep waking up so often but we really just did make it work I've always been a morning person and I went for the same walk every morning with B and I got the fresh air had a you know, nice coffee at the cafe at the road. And I just started every day on, you know, a fresh page. And yeah, after he was one, actually, that's not true, probably 14 or so months, we did slowly transition him into his own cot. And yeah, since then, he's, he's sometimes comes to bed with us still. And some mornings he'll be up at 5am and we just bring him to be with us and he can cuddle for a couple of hours. We all get up as a family, but more often than not, he, he sleeps through the night or just wakes once. Then he does sleep in his own cot now. So nothing is forever. Yeah, absolutely. He's not 10 years old and still sleeping in your he's bed. He's not 10 and years old, thank goodness. <laughs> no, he's not 10 years old yet. And you know what as well, if he is 10 years old and getting in your bed and you're okay with it, who it's not up to anybody else to judge you for that. Yes, And I know... Oh, honestly, I feel like even just me pregnant doing all my silly research being this, you know, this is the perfect idea of a mother in my head. It's like, if your baby is happy and healthy and kind, who actually cares which way you're doing it? You know, like as long as, yeah, they're thriving and they're growing and, you know, it's actually okay to be different. And I do so appreciate everything that a sleep consultant, you know, offers or a Plunkett nurse the advice they give because everyone has such good intentions but I don't know I just truly think there's so much more than just seeing seeing things from one point of view and not even just for looking after the baby like you know I I was sleeping with Brooklyn partly because I just couldn't go through in my mind the trauma of letting him cry letting him scream him calling out mummy 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 and me just like being on the other side of the door listening to him cry like even saying it now makes my heart just start racing I just I couldn't I could not do it so when he was at an age where we could sort of communicate with him a lot better and reason with him to some degree that was that for me felt the right time to to put him in his own room because I didn't have this immense immense overpowering guilt that he was feeling sad and neglected and I know it's not the case because so many of my my gorgeous friends have slept trained and and it works I totally know it works and your child is so fine and they're so happy and they're thriving but 
for me, it, it just didn't it didn't feel right, and and I couldn't handle it. Brooklyn probably could have, but but I couldn't. So yeah, that's what we did. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair enough. And at the end of the day, what's right for you is what's right for your family as well, and that's all totally valid. And I also think, you know, what you said about, um, yeah, your friends sleep training, it doesn't, just because you sleep train doesn't mean you neglect your children. And just because you co-sleep also doesn't mean that your children are overly attached to you and that, or even if they are attached, that it's a bad thing. I just think that you can find somewhere in the middle that works for you. And at the end of the day, that's what's important. Totally. And I truly think that, you know, like, I just think that every child also just develops and they grow at such different levels and different ways. And from such a young age, I've been so surprised with this, you know, gorgeous mum group I have that all these lovely little people have such personalities, gosh, from eight Mm. months, 10 months, even, you know, younger, like they just truly have personalities and, and they have different needs, you know, from such a little age. So it's hard to just say one thing is the right way because every child is so different. And like you said, every mother is so different. The dynamic is different. So, so yeah. <laughs> and how did Hayden kind of adjust to that decision of co-sleeping? Was it something that he was on board with or was he just like, I just need to get some sleep so I'm happy to stay in the bed? How did you guys navigate that? Oh, Haiti, poor guy. No, he was fine. I think <laughs> we have known each other since I was 10 and he was 11. So he knows me very well, to say the least. And I think he could obviously, it was apparent how anxious I was and how nighttime became such a toxic, probably the wrong word, but it was a really tricky time because nighttime would come and it would just be like my anxiety would go through the roof. So he was actually really good about it. He definitely after a year was like wow we're really nice we're sitting to the same bed um but in saying that he giggles and jokes with me now that you know he's a better night's sleep when I was in the guest bed so (laughs) you can't win but yeah he was really good about it and I think it was for sure hard because it also I don't know it also is hard when I was with Brooklyn so much, him feeling like he was always second best, which I do think happens in a lot of families. Um, but overall, Hayes is pretty good, and sleep is important to him probably more so than me. Hayden definitely needs his sleep, and I've always been the morning person. He's the night owl, so we've made it work, and I definitely would like to commit to spending like more time together now that we are like doing doing so much better I would say with our little family routine and Brooklyn sleep and everything but he was really good and I think we both knew it was a phase and it wasn't forever so you do what you've got to do just to survive and for for me to have a smile on my face and for Hayden to get a proper night's sleep was also really important. He's always busy at work. And I think when I was also up and down every two hours, that was pretty destructive for him as well. So yeah, he was, he was okay about it. And so if there's a mum listening who has a newborn baby or a baby who's quite young and they're listening to you talking about the sleep deprivation and all of these things, and they're hearing some of their story and yours, and they feel like their baby's never going to sleep and they're never going to sleep again. What would you like to say to that mum who's in those trenches right now and probably hears you talking about Brooklyn being two and being in his own cot and is like, oh, that's the dream. What would you like to say to her? It's the best thing I've learned being a mum and that is every phase passes. Everything is a phase and it doesn't matter how tricky your night has been how anxious you are like how how difficult your baby is being you know everything everything passes and even now I get so caught up when a routine changes but I do tell myself right it's it's just a phase like he'll move on from this it'll be okay and it will be okay and I know it's cheesy but if you're feeling so overwhelmed you're just so tired you feel like you can't even like think about the next five minutes let alone the whole day ahead of you like it just isn't forever and just be kind to yourself because it's yeah it's it's a really hard time and it's so isolating as well when you're just so tired and you're up all night and yeah it's difficult but just keep telling yourself it will pass and everything will be okay because it will be 
I'd love to talk about friendships with you because you have written a blog post before about, I guess, how some people aren't always in the same season as you. And that when I heard that, it resonated with me so much. So I'd love to just know, I guess, when people say it takes a village, who have been your village, especially during those first few months um, during the fourth trimester and beyond, who have helped you as you've navigated this new season in your life? Yeah, it's such an interesting conversation. I was so lucky. I went to high school. I finished my high school years, I should say, in Auckland. And I got this really beautiful core group of high school friends. And we are best friends and we always will be. I just adore these girls and I've known them forever. But I was the first out of my group of friends to have a baby. Um, and it was it was difficult. I know... I know deep down they love me more than anything and they they would do anything for me, but obviously asking for help was a whole other thing. And it's just so hard to, yeah, to, to even explain how you're feeling or how someone can help you when they're just not in the same season as you or they just really have no idea what it's like to, you know, whether it's be up all night or be dealing with a baby who hasn't slept all day or dealing with anything tantrums you know teething the whole nine yards so I really just didn't know I needed mum friends I was really set in my ways for such a long time I had my best friends I didn't really make any close friends at uni didn't make that many close friends at you know at work I just loved my close best friends in school and I became a mother and everything changed and my best friends from school, they checked up on me, they'd pop in and visit, but it, it just it just didn't feel it didn't feel like it was yeah, it didn't feel the same and it, it just wasn't the support I probably needed. So I was just so, so lucky by chance. This beautiful girl called Jade reached out to me on Instagram. And she is a friend of a friend. I'd never met her before. And she just said something along the lines of, hey, you see you having a baby. Do you want to come over for a cup of coffee? And this is when I was pregnant. So I was a little bit nervous. And I was thinking, gosh, I don't have a baby yet. But I went. Um, and, yeah, I was, you know, I met everyone. And it was, was, you know, a little bit of small talk. But I just thought she was so kind, just inviting me over to her home. And then... Once I had Brooklyn and we'd been at home for a few weeks together, I just I just couldn't get over there to see her fast enough again. And yeah, since since then I've sort of seen this lovely group of girls every week for yeah, two years now. And I just feel so lucky. I did, we did an antenatal class and it, it didn't go that well. We didn't really enjoy it. We actually only went to one out of three, the three, which was a bit naughty, but I didn't I didn't prepare myself for needing or wanting mum friends or ever thinking I would need them, which I know is an awful thing to say, but I just have this gorgeous group of friends that I just adore and I don't know what I would do without them. I talk to them all day, every day, and there's just no judgment. And yeah, I don't know how I would have met them otherwise, which is another interesting thing because we are all so different but we just get on so well. And even the very few times, I think it's probably been only three times or something, but we've managed to do a mum's dinner out, you know, leave the babies at home. And it's just the best time. It's just something so comforting and reassuring about having another mother to talk to. So if anyone is pregnant or is a new mum, like honestly, find yourself a mum club because it is the best thing that will happen to you. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. Like I just adore mine and we're all completely different as well. And we met ours through antenatal group, but I, if I met these people in any other circumstance, I don't know if we'd all Mm. come together and choose to be friends, but kind of when it's forced upon you in a way from doing antenatal classes and your, your babies are the same age and you're in the same season of life and yeah, it's just, it's completely invaluable. It's so wonderful. It's an interesting one because when I did do that blog post, I had a couple of my best friends reach out to me. These are my old school friends. And a few of them were a bit upset. And 
they were just like, oh, my goodness, I had no idea that, that you felt like that. I'm so sorry. And, you know, I really, like, I, you know, I called a few of them. Obviously, I messaged them straight back. And I said, do not apologize. You guys, like, as I wrote in the blog post, you, I know there's unconditional love. And I, you guys did, you know, check on me. And you, you did call in to visit, at, you know, after work. And, like, everyone has such busy lives, you know. So no one needed to do anything more than what they were all already doing something and me just changed that needed that needed something different so yeah friendships and motherhood is is a whole other thing but I just couldn't recommend enough like finding even just one or two mum friends in the same season as you yeah absolutely um and how do you feel about asking for help I mean I guess um Let's talk about how you found it in the early days when Brooklyn was a newborn and I guess how you feel about it now that you're out of that time and he is two years old and you can reflect on maybe when you didn't ask for help and you should have. Uh, this is again an interesting question. I, like a lot of mothers, just found it really hard to accept any sort of help. Um, and often the help that people want to give and again best best intentions isn't the right sort of help I really did not want anyone to come over and hold my baby and for a long period of time sorry they could obviously come over and give the baby cuddle but yeah I just I had just was really really probably needed a bit of help and wasn't willing to accept it I know in the early days my mum and my mother-in-law would bring over food which I found incredibly helpful because I hate cooking let alone with a newborn um but just just help in other ways I I if you know if I'm ever lucky enough to have a baby again I would definitely ask for more help and I would be probably a bit more straightforward about it even even little things I ask them for company sometimes that's that's a funny one, but to me, that's helpful having someone to sit with and not necessarily take your baby so you can go do something. I used to really struggle when my mother-in-law or someone trying to be so helpful would say, I'll take Brooklyn and you can go off and do something for yourself. And I'm thinking, what am I going to go do? <laughs> I don't, I'm not working right now. All my friends are at work. You know, I just, yeah, asking for help is a hard one. And also just wanting the whole like picture perfect thing. I think next time the expectation of not always having the house perfect and having morning tea for guests and the whole, the whole thing, I think just asking for people to help when they came over <laughs> even if it was just I don't know I don't actually know but just any pick little up the vacuum pick up the vacuum do something you know not just come and hold the baby and you know yeah it's a, it's a bit of a gray area yeah and I think if it's your personality naturally like it is mine to do and try be perfect and get all of the things done and you know live up to your own expectations yeah it's very hard to then let somebody in to do something for you um and it's something that I think we continually are working on I mean I speaking for myself it's something that I'm continually working on um so let's talk about expectations I guess that you had for yourself as a mother and how your experience compared to those expectations was potentially different um, just similar to, I guess what I said before that I just feel like I, I, I wanted to be mother as long as I can remember. So when I fell pregnant, I just went into overdrive doing that research and planning and all sorts. And I would always sort of envision what sort of mother I would be and what my little baby would be like. And, you know, it's, it's everything but more and more is good and bad. So I, yeah, I envisioned myself being a certain way and I am that way but it also just comes with beautiful chaos which is just mess and and and, and you know arguments with your husband because you're both so tired and all sorts in between so so yeah it is what I thought it would be but it's also a lot more yeah absolutely that's such such a good answer and a good way of looking at it you know I totally know what you mean so I'd like to talk about your husband, if that's okay, and how you guys have navigated having a little person join your life. So how was it for your relationship in those early days? Um, and I guess how have things kind of continued from there? 
I think Hayden and surprised me and I always knew he'd be a great dad, but he's just a wonderful dad. Like I know you said it in your lovely interview, just like you just couldn't have asked for a better father, which is just the nicest thing to hear from any mother. Um, so yeah, he has been so wonderful and I couldn't fault him in any way with Brooklyn, but it has seriously taken, you know, a toll on our relationship and it's changed in good ways and bad ways. Um, I think the hardest thing in those early days is obviously Brooklyn and I just like glued to each other and definitely sleeping in separate bedrooms. That is a tricky one. And even without Brooklyn, we have always sort of been on different schedules that I love bouncing out of bed super early and he cannot, you know, <laughs> he cannot wake himself up in the morning before he's had a coffee and he'll stay awake at night and I won't. So just adding in a baby into that mix, it's just like, you know, at times you can feel like flatmates, which is a really weird space to be in, especially, yeah, when you're just so used to just being the two of you for so long. So it was really hard and definitely a lot of arguments and we have unconditional love for each other no matter what. But I think when you're both so in love and so, you know, so, so much love for a little person, all you want is the best for them. It, it raises your emotions in every aspect because whether you're talking about what he's having for dinner, how he's sleeping, you know, what what's he going to do this weekend, you all have, you know, we always have his best interest. So if someone doesn't agree with you, that's obviously going to cause, cause an argument. But we're definitely getting better at... Um, yeah, putting our relationship first, or not first because Brooklyn's first, but putting our relationship more as a priority because for a long time it felt like Brooklyn was just everything and we didn't really put any time into our relationship. And now slowly I feel like we're just getting back to, yeah, having a bit of us time, which is really lovely. Yeah, that's so nice. Yeah, I, I totally resonate with all of that because Mark and I as well are on different schedules in terms of he's a morning person, I'm not. He's He'd rather go to bed early and I could stay up like a night owl. And mm-hmm. it actually something that you don't think about beforehand or I didn't was that that time schedule difference can affect intimacy and romance in your relationship as well so how have you guys if you don't mind talking about it um (laughs) navigated that aspect of things I guess as well because you weren't sharing a bed for a year yeah gosh I hope Hayden never listens to this um I feel like as terrible as it sounds maybe to some people you almost have to like schedule you time whether that's intimacy or not and like we (laughs) <laughs> we, we would definitely got into like a routine like later on I guess not in those early few weeks or even months because quite honestly like I just really couldn't think about anything other than Brooklyn like the whole six week checkup thing still just blows my mind because <laughs> <laughs> I was just really not feeling like anyone touching me Brooklyn was breastfeeding 24 seven but um yeah I just feel like you just have to schedule like couple time and like we hardly I mean we go out for dinner a lot as a family like the three of us or with my parents with Hayden's parents but you know us time can be literally just like you know cuddling in bed or I don't know even just like having dinner together once Brooklyn's done and like not rushing it and not like I don't know, anything, but for sure also nap times on the weekend. I feel like that's our time. So I feel like whether it's, I don't know, an hour like that we can sneak off together or 10 minutes, we always try and at least have nap times on the weekends and we know that we should both be home and both be around and that's our time. So yeah, nap times on the weekend. It doesn't sound like a lot, but I know we both look forward to it. So <laughs> Yeah, you make the most of the opportunities that you've got. Totally. And, like, honestly, at at the same time, I feel like even if I have, like, only a couple of really good, lovely conversations with Hayden the weekend or, like, a couple of, like, moments where we're, like, giggling and being silly and just being asked, like, that's that's enough. Like, I don't need to feel 
like I'm with him 24 seven when we were teenagers. Oh my goodness. I was just obsessed with Hayden and not that I'm not obsessed with him now. It's just a deeper love. It's a, it's a different love. I don't get anxious or stressed if he goes out with his friends anymore because I know he's going to come home, call into bed and give me a big cuddle no matter what. So it's just a different type of love, but for sure, if anyone's feeling like distant from their partner, like just having your little like, you know, nap time on a Saturday or whatever. It just, it really helps. Yeah, nice. I think that's great advice. Um, I'd love to talk about your parenting philosophy and beliefs because from reading your blog, you don't kind of like, well, not that I've seen, you haven't like named it, but to me, you seem very considerate and conscious and gentle in your approach to parenting Brooklyn. Um, so how do you kind of think about your parenting style and how did that kind of begin when he was a newborn? Definitely gentle parenting. <laughs> a couple of who have said that to me, and I'm so embarrassed to admit this, but I had to like Google, like, what is gentle parenting? Um, <laughs> because I don't think when you're pregnant, despite all the research, I don't think you go, cool, this is the f- philosophy I'm going to go with. Um, it just sort of, you know, it grows, it develops. But, yeah, definitely gentle parenting. I... And probably quite a sensitive person. So the way I like talk to Brooklyn and the way we like manage things is probably done in like quite a like calm and sensitive way. Yeah, I just I don't know, I always prayed for a happy, healthy, kind little boy. So the kindness thing, it was so, <laughs> so important to me. I think I just tried so hard to just like just I I guess um, project my, my values of like how important it is to, to be, um, yeah, to be kind and calm and gentle. And yes, sometimes like going back to the, the arguments with your husband or disagreements that someone might have with you. Like sometimes I think people would say, Oh my gosh, you're being a bit of a pushover or you could be more firm with him. But at the end of the day, like I really, have learned to sort of let go with my gut instinct. And there's so many ways to handle toddler tantrums or any 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 issue you're, you're going through, whether it's, you know, one-year-old, three-year-old, two-year-old. So so gentle parenting is like definitely what feels right for us or for me. And, yeah, I think it's working so far, hopefully. So <laughs> yeah, that's nice. what Yeah, and how was your approach with it in the early days, like I guess in terms of, um, when you are finding your way and, you know, babies cry a lot. What sort of things did you do to settle him and what was your approach there? I feel like I would like to say that I, like, did everything that I was told or was supposed to, like my mum told me to, but I just, like, sort of feel like I did the easy option, which is probably not always the right thing, but I, like, you know, fed him to sleep, I would rock him to sleep, I would do in those early days anything to keep him happy I didn't really like, yeah, I didn't really feel comfortable like getting him into a strict routine or, or I don't know, any of that sort of thing. I'm not sure if that answers the question correctly, but I just always sort of did what felt okay to me. And in saying that, I always questioned myself. I always questioned myself. I've only recently learned to little be a bit more confident, but like I would call the Plunkett line. I had a sleep consultant come over. I, yeah, I would ask my mum a thousand questions, anyone who came over. And I really took on board what they were saying. I didn't obviously always follow the advice, but I, I really wanted to do the right thing. And I did get into a rhythm of doing what's outright, which turns out is gentle parenting. But at the time you just want to do the right thing. So there were times where I, you know, I tried to let him cry it out and then I just, it backfired. So I was always open to trying to do things, but eventually you just have to do what, what feels right to you. Yeah, absolutely. And how do you reflect back on your fourth trimester with Brooklyn now? And I guess that, that newborn experience, how was it for you and how do you feel about it when you think about it? Um, I think it sounds a bit dramatic because I probably have been saying a lot of lovely things, but it, it was probably a little bit ruined by my anxiety. I I look back at that fourth trimester period and I think, oh my goodness, if I had just enjoyed it more. I know a lot of mothers probably feel that way, but I certainly didn't relax and I didn't, um, 
I didn't, I didn't enjoy it. Um, I was so happy and I was so in love with Brooklyn and I felt so clever and all those things, but my heart was racing a thousand times a minute, you know, every day. And I, yeah, I really think my anxiety got in the way of actually just being present. I think if I could do it all over again, I would just try and relax and try and be present because it does go so quickly. And I know that's so cheesy, but yeah, my fourth trimester, it was, it was so wonderful, but it was, it was certainly overpowered by anxiety. But again, I, if someone said like, how would you do it differently if you time again? I don't know if anyone could have said anything to me or showed me anything that would have made me actually feel any different. So Perhaps it's just something first-time mothers have to process and go through until they get to a place where they know that, like, you know, their intuition is the right thing and that everything will pass and everything will be okay. So, yeah, the fourth trimester was was a tricky one. But, but yeah, I would, I would do it all again in a heartbeat. And what – I mean, when you talk about your anxiety – how did your anxiety kind of manifest in those early days? Like what sort of things did it kind of stop you from doing or make you do that you probably wouldn't have otherwise if you weren't feeling so anxious? Um, a lot of things. It probably just depends the phase I was in. I mean, for sure, I probably was just that was fueling the sleep deprivation because I wasn't sleeping because I was so anxious it really had an impact on my relationship with Hayden because obviously me being anxious I was pushing him away and being honest with myself I was probably pushing like some of my close friends away which made it harder for them to probably connect with me being a new mother and everything I mean when anxiety is yeah it was when my anxiety was really bad at the beginning, I mean, it just sort of consumed my whole day. I didn't really spend a lot of time like going out. I'd do a walk by myself every morning with Brooklyn, but most days I was just home alone all day. Um, yeah, it just, and probably affected my breastfeeding. Um, when I'm really anxious, sometimes find it a bit like, you know, hard to eat because the stomach's so tight and that also probably affects breastfeeding. Like anxiety feels everything, not in a good way. So yeah, really affected that fourth trimester. And I just hope that, yeah, I'm past the throat, the, you know, the thick of that. And each day it just truly does get easier. Obviously there's so many challenges with the toddler because they're just so busy and you know what that's like. You're just running around all day, every day and it's relentless sometimes, but you know, feeling feeling comfortable uh, in your skin as a mother is a is a wonderful, quite freeing thing. So letting go of that anxiety or some of it or most of it has been has been really freeing, which is which is wonderful. Is it something that you've um, ever had to seek help for, or was it? Do you just feel like you attribute the easing of it to time and finding your way? definitely have had a help for anxiety in the past I yeah it's it's always been a part of me but going back to one of your earlier questions I just sort of thought motherhood because it's something I've always wanted would have been would have never made me anxious because it was just going to be this amazing happy wonderful thing that I was just so lucky I fell pregnant I just couldn't believe it and I didn't expect anxiety to come with it I really thought, and this is going to sound so naive and silly, but I just thought having a baby would fix everything. And in some ways, I mean, I do feel, <laughs> I do feel so free because I have perspective now that I didn't have before. Things that really stress me out before definitely don't, but the anxiety is just transferred <laughs> to other things in some ways. So, so yeah, I've definitely had it in the past, but I think I was just surprised more than anything which is, again, probably really silly and naive, but I was just so surprised how motherhood just, yeah, was just this whole ball of anxiety, really. Yeah, and what sort of things help you to feel better when you are feeling that way? Um, definitely fresh air. <laughs> I think getting out of the house is absolutely a game changer, and I know that's so simple, but 
I truly mean it when I say rain or shine. I think there's maybe one or two days was a thunderstorm, but rain or shine for two years straight. I go for a walk every morning and just, you know, we're lucky enough we do live close to the water. So just seeing the water, even just walking past a coffee shop and like waving at someone through the window, having that contact. And I really depended on that in the early days when I was up every two or three hours for even the early days for a year, year and a half, just separating day and night. Because otherwise I just start like, you know, it was just one big blur. So, so yeah, just getting out and fresh air really helps and trying as much as you, as much as you can not to isolate yourself. My mum group has, in the, the funniest way possible, made me so less anxious or has really helped my anxiety because there's that validation, there's that reassurance that, you know, everyone's going through it and you're actually not a bad mother and all these crazy thoughts in your head just hearing that someone else is doing the same thing as you or is having a hard day too it just actually makes all the difference so yeah talking to another mum getting fresh air couldn't recommend it enough so you've said that you look back and you wouldn't do anything differently and you don't have any regrets which I think is great and none of us should but I think it's also natural to think about the potential of number two um, and think about how, you know, you've grown as a mother and how it might be different next time. So how do you think if you do choose to have and are lucky enough to have another baby, how do you expect or hope that it will go or what intentions do you have for it another time around with, I guess, the benefit of all that you've learned? Well, for the start with, I wouldn't have the same obstetrician. <laughs> I didn't even get into that, but I just really struggled with that. But I would, more importantly, when the baby was here, I would, as much as possible, just, yeah, put the anxiety aside and I would just try and be present. I I don't think I would be sleep training earlier, but I would for sure be doing things slightly differently, knowing that. I'm not a bad mother if my baby settles itself to sleep. And I know that sounds so silly because logically I know that that's what 99% of mums do and that's so fine, but I just just really couldn't put the baby down, which was all me. It wasn't Brooklyn. It wasn't anyone else. So little things like that, which actually make all the difference, I would for sure learn to, you know, get get our baby to resettle earlier. I wouldn't be so hard on myself with breastfeeding. I... <laughs> I, yeah, I would love to breastfeed again, but if I had to give my baby formula, I wouldn't beat myself up about it. And I wouldn't set my alarm every three hours to express milk and all these other little things. So the overall take is that I would try and parent the same. I would hope that I would still be giving the same energy and love that I give Brooklyn every day, but I would just try and be kinder on myself and hopefully that would influence the baby feeling maybe in a more calm and more relaxed environment because I wasn't so stressed. I totally get that. Well, I just have one final question for you. Um, and this is a question that I ask all of my guests and it is that I believe the mother we hope to be and try to be and strive to be is exactly the kind of mother that we are even on the really hard days, the anxious days, the days where we feel like we haven't achieved anything or the days that we feel like we are a bad mum, that no matter what, through all of those times, that we are exactly the kind of mother that we hope to be. So my final question for you is what kind of mother do you hope to be? And therefore, what kind of mother are you? Um, I love this question so much. I... I every day, um, every day I will say out loud multiple times a day, I am grateful, I am kind, I am present. So that's all I've wanted to be for Brooklyn as a mother. And I really hope that's, that's who I am. And I'm definitely working on being more present and not, not being so anxious, but just being in the moment. But I, I don't know if I read it or I listened to it, but I really love when someone said that they hope to be their, their child's safe place. And that really resonated with me because 
I just want Brooklyn to always feel safe with me. And, you know, that, that means, that means a lot to me. So I want to be grateful, kind and present, but I would love to be his safe place forever. So that's what I hope for. Oh, beautiful. And you absolutely are. Um, if anybody wants to find you in your blog or have you teach them Pilates, where can they find you? <laughs> um, so my blog is AnnaJaneMiles.com. So J-A-N-E in the middle. Um, and you can find me on Instagram or DM me. It's a new blog, but I've just absolutely loved writing again. And yeah, it gives me something to do when BNAT's in the middle of the day. So I'd love any feedback on anything I've written. Um, and I've just started teaching at Reform Pilates. They have a beautiful studio in Newmarket in Parnell. And I just can't rave enough about Reformer Pilates. I've done it for like six years. It's just the best exercise and soul-fulfilling, wonderful thing. So if you'd ever like to come to a class, you can come there. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Motherness. For more empowering interviews like this one, check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. And if you liked today's episode, please subscribe and leave a review so more listeners can discover all that motherness has to offer. We are at motherness.podcast on Instagram and our DMs are always open if you need advice or would like to chat. I'm Sky Ross and you've been listening to Motherness.